True and False Prophets from the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Mike E. Our passage today comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. And it says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to engage your word once again on this Sunday, Lord. And God, it just feels so good to be in your house again, in person, Lord, where we can feel the energy of your Holy Spirit just flowing through us, through the shoulders of the people next to each other, Lord. Lord, we know that you have not left us. We know that you've been present with us throughout the entire pandemic when we were all separated in our respective houses. But Lord Jesus, being in your house together again in person, we feel your spirit even more strongly because Lord, you say where two or more are gathered, you are here with them. You are here with us, Jesus. Lord, we look forward to what you're about to feed us, this feast that you're about to feed us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, So, um, during the pandemic, uh, I had a lot of chances to think about stuff. I'm a thinker. I I overthink stuff. You know, Um, I, I do a lot of reflection. I I do a lot of like thinking about what my life is going to be like, my future. And I'm 41, okay? To some of you, you're you're, you're saying, oh, you're still a young man. To some of you, you're saying, oh, my God, you're so old, right? I'm right in that middle section where I'm neither old nor young. Thank you. Yeah, you understand. Absolutely. You know? Now, as I was reflecting, I came to the conclusion that, Um, that uh, I've accumulated a myriad of unique gifts and experience and knowledge throughout the years. And though I have not accomplished what I thought I would accomplish by this age, I'm not really unsatisfied with my progress either. Though Though I haven't accomplished what I thought I would accomplish by this age, I'm not really unsatisfied. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, But at this stage of my life, I really find myself desiring to dig deeper, to find purpose, and to further focus and more sharply define the reason for my being. I find myself asking the question, Michael Yee, what is it that you want out of this life? 
what is it that you want out of this life? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question, but it's a question that I ask myself often. And, it, and over the last year, I've asked, asked it of myself every single day. Now, I've done a lot of meditation on this subject over the last year or so, and the Lord keeps bringing me back to a certain scriptural passage, a passage that you all should know by heart. Even if, you've ne- even if you never really open your Bible all that much, this scripture is so prevalent in our culture that we should all be able to recite it, uh, you know, from memory more or less. And it's Psalm 23, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. Mm. That imagery is so great, so amazing. Amid the craziness of this life, the thing I want most is to lie down in green pastures and sit by still waters and have my soul restored. I call that a desire for peace. Out of everything that I want out of this life, I have come to the conclusion that I want peace above everything else. Mm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to want for nothing. I want to have safety and security in all things. I want to experience an adequate amount of intimacy. I want to find meaning and purpose in my existence and in my employment. I want to be in the green pastures and still waters of life. I want peace. So I thought about it some more. What does peace actually look like for me? Like tangibly speaking. Like I know philosophically we all want peace, but what does that look like for me? What would it take for me to achieve this peace? What would have to happen in my life for me to feel like I'm at peace? I thought about, you know, the job aspects, right? I want a good job where I feel like my talents, my purpose line up. I want a decent house where my kids can grow up in. I want enough money to be able to buy things. I want all this to happen on a tropical island somewhere. (laughs) Now, with the exception of the tropical island, I feel like I have most of those things. And yet, I'm not at peace. I thought about this for a long time on why that was. And I came to the conclusion that the great majority of the things that I perceive will bring me peace are actually carefully curated visions that do not come from me and it does not come from God. But these carefully curated visions come from for-profit companies who are bent on taking my time, my energies, and my money. I'll come back to this idea here in a minute. Jesus warns us, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Now I gotta tell you something about prophets, folks. A prophet's job was to provide vision for the people of God. God speaks to them, and the prophet was to give God's people the instructions on how to live out that vision. 
and God's motivations have always been for the flourishing of his people. In biblical history, God gives Moses a vision for how his people should live for their flourishing. He gives them a set of laws. If you follow these laws, you shall flourish. God gives King David a vision for how to handle grief and pain, to cry out to him, to, to lean closer in prayer. God gives Solomon a vision of how we should gain knowledge to find our spiritual peace. The visions of these prophets have all been written down, folks, and they're right here in this book, right here, readily available. And we study this to this day. We Christians believe these words, and we believe that these are the very words of God and the very voice of God. The voice of God is divine, wise, and prudent. Listening to them brings peace. God's desire is for the flourishment of his people, and he asks nothing in return. Now Jesus warns his people of the dangers of the false prophet. He says that they are wolves in sheep's clothing. If proper prophets are the voices of God, then false prophets are false voices of God. Voices that sound like God, but they are not God. Voices that on the surface sound divine, wise, and prudent, but in reality are anything but. They are voices that sound like the shepherd, but in reality they are ferocious wolves in sheep's clothing who seek to devour you, to take your money, your time, and your attention. They are the ones who strategize to take away your peace that you so rightfully already own in Jesus Christ. We would do well to heed the words of the Lord Jesus and avoid the traps of the false prophets. But in order for us to do so, we must become familiar with identifying the wolves among us as well as their tactics that they use in our day and age. And the first way to identify them is through the messages that they speak because false prophets speak a false gospel. If a true prophet speaks a true gospel, false prophets speak a false gospel. Verse 16 says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus says that we recognize false prophets based on the fruit that they produce. Now, I assume that all of us in this room, we all want to consume, consume the sweet fruit of peace. I make that assumption. And while Jesus promises us the peace that we seek, so does everyone else, right? Let's think about this. The problem with our current society is that the fruit of the wolves and the fruit of the shepherd are nearly indistinguishable in our day and age. The bad fruit and the good fruit look the same. Everyone offers their version of peace. For example, 
If I were to ask 10 of you what your version of peace looks like, they would all be different, right? If you think of the word peace, what do you think about? I think of going back to the tropical island thing, right? I think of a beach somewhere, waves lapping at the shore, drinks with little umbrellas in them. This sounds a lot like Psalm 23. He leads me to green pastures, leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. The temptation here is to think that the green pastures and the still waters are the things that lead to the peace that we seek. We think that if we can have the perfect circumstances, the perfect job, the perfect life situation, the perfect amount of money, the perfect house, then, then we will be at peace. But folks, the ending of that stanza in Psalm 23 is not green pastures restores my soul. It is not still waters restores my soul. It is he restores my soul. A true prophet will teach you that leaning into Jesus is the only way to true peace. This is a major, major part of the gospel message. This is good news to us. Jesus is the only way to peace. But false prophets will preach a false gospel that preaches you that your circumstances and your situations will bring you the peace that you seek. True prophets preach the true gospel. False prophets preach a false gospel. Revelation. Not Bible revelation, but here's revelation, general revelation, okay? Did you know that there is a war in your soul for a piece of your peace? It goes on every day. There is a war in your soul for a piece of your peace. And that war rages on every single day, moment by moment, minute by minute. There is a war in your soul for your peace because your peace is highly valuable. Your peace can be monetized. Your peace can be bought and sold. Selling visions, dreams, and circumstances is a multi-billion dollar industry here in America. And they all promise the same thing. If you buy our product, if you buy this house, if you go on this vacation, if you subscribe to our service, you will have peace. Selling green pastures and still waters are the fruits that false prophets sell, and we've all been victims of buying it. I certainly have. How many of you have tasted those fruits that promise this peace? How many of you have achieved what you're supposed to achieve? How many of you have bought the big house in the good town with the good school district? How many of you actually live in the green pastures and the still waters of life and still do not have peace? Humbly, it is in the end, I think, that it is because we all, myself included, we all have put our hope in a false gospel to various degrees. We can identify the false prophets in our lives 
by examining the fruits that they sell. If they are selling anything other than Jesus as the source of your peace, they may be a false prophet. False prophets preach a false gospel. Secondly, false prophets also prey on your weaknesses. Where you are weak, someone will advertise. Remember that. Where you are weak, someone will advertise. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, when we look at this part of the passage, it would seem that Jesus is trying to take, is taking two very unrelated objects and putting them together to show the ridiculousness of expecting good fruit to come out of something that is incapable of producing good fruit. Why would you expect something that gives life to come from something that is dead? I meditated on this part of the passage. And God took me to a very interesting place. While the question that Jesus asked seems straightforward, the answer is actually kind of dependent upon the situation. Normally, yes, people do not look for grapes in thorn bushes or figs in thistles. Normally, they don't. And we're tempted to answer that way. No, people, of course, do not pick grapes from thorn bushes. But the answer really is, well, maybe it depends on how hungry they are. Because if you are hungry enough, you might look for some figs in a thistle. You might look for fruit where it does not grow. Here's something that advertisers know. It's amazing who or what you're willing to listen to when you are hungry, when you feel lacking, when you're in distress. It's amazing what you're willing to compromise when you're hurting, feeling weak, feeling like your back's against a corner. It is in these moments that our faith is truly tested. It is in these moments that our resolve, our tenacity, our character, and what we believe is challenged. When you're on month three of being strapped for cash, that questionable guy on YouTube who's offering a no-risk guarantee on making back 300% of your income sounds like he's making some sense. When you've been struggling with yet another day of depression and you're so tired from waking up every day with that dark cloud hanging over your head, that fog in your brain, that cheesy clickbaity email that you normally wouldn't have paid attention to looks like a lifeline. My friends, wolves attack the sheep when the night is darkest, when it seems like the shepherd has gone to sleep. They prey upon the areas of your heart that are weak and weary. They seek to take your time, your money, and your health. It is when you are weak, vulnerable, and compromised that you might look for some grapes in a thorn bush. 
you might look for the gospel of peace from a false prophet. As such, it is highly important for us to get to know where we are weakest. You must get to know where your heart is broken because this is exactly where false prophets will take aim. Self-awareness is so very key to protecting yourself from the false prophets who aim to sell you a counterfeit peace, a false gospel. Now, if this is you today, if your heart is not at peace and you're at that point of willing to jump at the very first thing that offers you relief from your circumstances, please, please be vigilant. Be extra vigilant in this season of your life. You are a prime target right now. Wolves are hard at work trying to take your money, your time, and your energy. They are hard at work trying to devour you. False prophets are identified by their first false gospel, but also by the way that they prey upon your weaknesses. Finally, false prophets utilize the porter, portal that exists in our souls. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. My friends, we live among wolves who are dressed up in sheep's clothing. They have woven themselves into our lives, making themselves at home seamlessly and without opposition. False prophets have direct, tangible, real, touchable portals to our souls where they can deposit anything that they want. And here's the kicker. We see these portals every single day. According to statistics, we interact with them at least once an hour. We all brought them to church with us. These portals are in our pockets, our purses, and in our diaper bags. Some of you are on your portals right now. I brought mine right here up on stage with me. This little device, this pocket-sized device has more intimacy with our souls than anything else we have in this life. Let's just admit that. This little thing has more intimacy with our souls than any other thing in our life. It tells us when to wake up. It tells us our work schedule. It is our primary source of entertainment. It is the primary source of our information and news. For many of us, it's also the primary source of our relationships. Now, look, I'm not gonna sit here and collectively say that we should collectively make the decision to dump our cell phones. That's not gonna happen. You can do that. I'm not gonna do that, okay. <laughs> I recognize that cell phones are here to stay. 
And I'm not saying that everything that comes through this little portal is bad either. That's not what I'm saying. But here is what I'm saying. Maybe we should treat this little thing with a lot more respect than we do. It has the potential to do unbelievable damage. It has the potential, folks, to, be- to make you believe that bad fruit is actually good fruit. Have you ever wondered how social media works? Have you ever wondered this? Those of, those, of, uh, those of you who are on TikTok right now, like, not like right now, but like, you know, who are on TikTok, show of hands, show of hands, show of hands, show of hands, show of hands. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. Here we go, here we go. I'm about to tell you exactly how TikTok works. I did the research into the algorithm of TikTok, okay? Why do some posts go viral and some posts do not? Why do some posts that are the most ridiculous content go viral while the really, really good post that has deep knowledge gets three likes and comments? Here's how it works. Math test. Two plus two equals? Two plus two equals? Absolutely. Is that, is that incontrovertible evidence, uh, incontrovertible answer, right? Two plus two equals four. There's no question about that. That is truth. Yes? We all agree? Okay. Let's say somebody makes a video about how two plus two does not equal four, but it equals five. Ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But let's say they make a particularly compelling case. That video, folks, all right, um, Isaac, there we go. All right, let's say this guy right here makes a video about two plus two equals five, okay? Now, that video, according to the TikTok algorithm, gets shown to 10 people. Next slide, there we go. All right, that's, uh, that's not 10, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, but it gets shown to 10 people, right? Now, what the algorithm does is if the video performs well with these 10 people, if they like, comment, or share this video, each one of these guys gets 10 more views. Okay, go. All right. This is how something goes viral. It just keeps going and going and going. This is how the TikTok algorithm works. Right? Soon, this video that makes a compelling case that two plus two that equals five has had a hundred pairs of eyes on it. Now, if those hundred people make a comment or share the video, it goes on and on and on. And so soon this video has 30,000 likes and comments on how two plus two equals five. Now imagine that you are viewer number 30,000 of this, of this video. And you see that 29,999 people have liked and commented on how two plus two does equal five. Would you not at least consider just for a moment that you've been believing a lie your entire life? 
something that was incontrovertible in your mind is all of a sudden being questioned in your mind. Furthermore, when TikTok sees that you have viewed, liked, commented, or shared this two plus two equals five posts, it will show you more videos that will tell you that two plus two equals five, all of which have a million likes and comments. Now you've got multiple videos with lots of likes and comments that bolster the idea that two plus two equals five. Now this is TikTok, but other social media platforms work some, some variation of this algorithm. As you can see, the way that these algorithms work, it doesn't reward the truth, it rewards groupthink. Truth is muddled by this algorithm. And no matter, it, it doesn't matter anymore what the truth is. What matters is what the group thinks. And this makes you particularly susceptible to false teachers and false prophets. It makes you easy prey for the wolves. Combine that with your deep insecurities and your willingness to, willingness to listen to pretty much anything that you perceive will give you peace and you've got a recipe for disaster. Verse 19 says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. If you eat the fruit of the false prophets, you suffer the consequences of the false prophets. If you eat the fruit of false prophets, I promise you that you will not find the peace that, you are, that they are promising, but you will find fire in your life. You will find disaster. You will not find flourishing. You will find desolation. Because I guarantee you that whatever they're trying to sell to you, whether it be information, a product, or a service, you're not going to find the peace that you're looking for. Instead, you're going to find yourself depleted of time, energy, money, and resources. The wolves will have devoured you. So now that we know how to identify the wolves of our time, how do we avoid them? What do we do? How do we determine the difference between the teachings of a false prophet and the teachings from the shepherd? Especially in our day and age when all of it sounds the same. How do we determine the good fruit from the bad? In our lives, let's, let's, let's know this. In our lives, there are literally thousands of voices that are vying for our attention, especially through this. There are thousands of voices because everyone wants a piece of our peace. And they're all promising their version of peace that they want to sell you at the low, low price. But at the end of the day, these wolves seek to devour us. They seek to take our time, our money, and our resources. There are many, many voices. There are many, many wolves. But there is only one shepherd. There are many who seek to take from us, but only one who seeks to give to us. False, pro false prophets promise us a false peace, but the true prophet, the true prophet, actively, constantly gives us a true peace. And he does it all 
for the low, low price of free 99. No catch, no strings attached. He teaches us that peace does not come from circumstances. It does not come from green pastures or still waters. It comes from intimacy with him. He restores my soul. This is the Jesus that we worship. He is this good shepherd. John 10 says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of him, of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I am fully aware that there is good worldly wisdom that can be gained from sources, sources that are not necessarily Christian. I myself have learned plenty of positive, good knowledge from teachers that do not share my faith or belief system. There are, and I, I believe that there are many well-meaning people out there who are giving out good, positive information that is indeed helpful to obtaining peace in whatever area of your life you're seeking peace in. But, but, there are many wolves, only one shepherd. The shepherd's voice needs to be the primary voice to whom we compare all other voices to. In order for this to happen, folks, we need to get to a point where we can instinctively recognize his voice like the sheep do. We need to instinctively know this. We must take whatever piece of information that is being presented and compare it to the shepherd's voice, asking ourselves, is this something that the shepherd would say? Is this something that is in line with Jesus? Parents, I know you have been to playgrounds before. Okay? Playgrounds are crazy, crazy locations, okay? especially if it's a popular one, right? It's really loud there. There are lots of voices at the playground. There are kids shouting and screaming. There are parents kind of chatting it up with, the, with each other. But then you ever see this moment this, where this like loud, crazy playground all of a sudden immediately goes silent? You know that, you know that feeling? Where it goes silent. And you know why it goes silent? A child cries. The child cries and all of a sudden parents are stopping mid-sentence of their conversation and everyone's ears are leaning in. Is that my kid? Is that my kid that's crying? And if it's not your kid, you'd be like, all right, just continue the conversation, right? <laughs> right? Sentences are left half said because every parent is listening to see if it's their kid who's in distress. When my child screams in pain. I know by the tone, by the vocal intonations, by their cry patterns, that it's my kid who's in distress. It doesn't matter how many kids there are on the playground or how loud it is. 
I don't have to think about it. I can recognize the sound of my child's cry. It's intuitive. It's in me. And vice versa, my children can do the same for me. Every Sunday when church lets out, my children find me. In the sea of the craziness that is that foyer right after church, they can come and find me. They hear my bellowy laughter. They hear the intonations in my voice. And they come find me. They know what I sound like. It's intuitive. They don't have to think about it. They just know. You know why they know? They know because we have spent lots of time together. They know because we have played together, have laughed together, have eaten together, have done life together. They know because they have shared joy with me and their sorrows with me. They have played with me and have been disciplined by me. My children know my voice. And when they grow a bit older, before they're full-blown adults, before they develop their own voice, whenever they receive a new bit of information from their teachers, friends, colleagues, they will instinctively ask themselves, is this something that my daddy would say? The shepherd recognizes his sheep, and the sheep recognize their shepherd. We must get to this level of intimacy with Jesus if we are to have a fighting chance against the wolves that seek to devour us. We need to instinctively know what is of God and what is not of God. How do we do that? How do we get to that level of intimacy? Well, it's actually not It's difficult, but it's not that difficult. Our relationship with God is just like any other of our relationships. We got to make time for it. We cannot continue to live life by the skin of our teeth. I understand that we're busy and stressed out and can't find the time. But we just can't live life trying to fit some God time here and there whenever it's convenient for us. We can't do it. We got to do the hard work spending time with him. That sounds completely counterintuitive, but it is hard work trying to find the time and to schedule some time with our God. Now, I find, this is just me personally, I find that the easiest, most straightforward way to creating intimacy with God is through scripture. There are other ways. There are many other ways of creating intimacy with God. Absolutely. There's silence and solitude and prayer and there's service to the church. And the list goes on and on and on. But I find that the easiest way to get to God and to be intimate with him is through his word. And folks, like I said before, I know it's hard. It's hard to find the energy, the time, and the attention to sit and read scripture in our day and age. I get it, but there's no way around it. Like Pastor Doug preached last week, Jesus tells us that many will enter through the wide gate, but few will enter through the narrow one. Many will acknowledge their need for scripture, 
but few will actually implement a regular reading plan to read and study it. Just got to do it. There is a mountain that I have to ride my bike up every week. It's the bane of my existence. As a matter of fact, the online, the online people who ride up this mountain literally call it the Alpine Death Hill. It's about a two-mile climb straight uphill with no flat parts to rest at. Now, if I were to try to teach you to ride up this mountain, I could probably teach you a few tricks here and there to make your ride a little bit more efficient. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, no matter what tricks I try to teach you, it's hard. It's not easy. You just got to do it. You're never going to get better at it if you don't just jump in and make the time to read your Bible. So now that you've acknowledged that it's hard, let me give you a quick tip. If reading the Bible is hard for you, I encourage you, start with Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. Start with one of those two books. I find that they're the easiest books of the Bible to read through. I usually tell anyone who has never opened up a Bible to start with Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. If you can get to a point where you instinctively know your shepherd's voice, then you can now compare all the knowledge that you receive through the phone or any other source to see if it is good fruit. If you run across a video that has a million likes and comments and it seems like good advice, you must compare it to what the shepherd says. Because there are many wolves, but only one shepherd. Wolves promise peace, but seek to devour. Jesus promises peace and seeks to flourish. The Lord is our shepherd we shall not want. He, make, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us lie by still waters. It is he who restores our soul and no one else. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Mm. Jesus. <laughs> Lord, you are our shepherd. You are the one who knows all and sees all. You are the only one that seeks our flourishment. You are the only one who seeks our peace. And you ask nothing in return. that blows our minds because everyone here on earth asks for something in return. And Lord, you are the eternal giver of peace. And I get the sense that there are a handful of people in this room, perhaps even more than a handful, that need your peace and that they're looking for peace 
in all the wrong places and that they have bought into the false gospel of circumstance. And Lord, I pray that the words that you have poured through me and into the hearts and souls of my brothers and sisters here, I hope it leads them to you. I hope that some of the, the, the people who are listening to this message have made the decision to get serious about reading their scripture. That they will make the decision to start putting in the time to be intimate with you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time of ministry that has happened. May you continue to go with the people here and the people watching online. May your Holy Spirit continue to inspire and for, him to, for them to remember parts of your message that you have provided for them. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. We have a few next steps. Um, if you'd like to pull out your communication card or your, your app, feels kind of funny asking you to pull out your phone after what I just said to you, but uh, pull out your app, right? And uh, let's go through these next steps. So uh, first next step is I want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Christ. If you do not know the shepherd and you need someone to explain him to you and to have a conversation with them, please go ahead and check off that box and one of our pastors or somebody will get in contact with you and we'd be happy to have that conversation. Number two, I will limit my media consumption to five hours this week. Five hours, okay? Sounds like a long time, but perfectly honest with you, that's not even a, a day's worth of media consumption. I will limit myself to five hours of media consumption this week because that's healthy for you. You need to unplug, okay? Third, I will commit to communing with my shepherd every day this week. I prefer it to be scripture, but if there's another way that you'd like to engage God, if, if you are already in your mode of prayer and creating intimacy with Jesus, please continue. I'm speaking specifically to those of you who are not putting in the time to creating intimacy with God. Start it this week. Make the decision and make a plan in your head when you're going to read scripture. Fourth, I will register myself and my family for a summer community group. These are going to be super fun from what I hear. Okay, there's hiking, there's volleyball, there's movie watching. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be joining them. Um, I'm very excited to be a part of them and uh, very excited to be spiking the volleyball in some of your faces. <laughs>